Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 7.52 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the freaking 1st of July, 2021. This is episode 447 of Bitcoin. And this is probably going to be a shorter one, guys. Got stuff to do. Let's get into it, man. We're going to start this one with Bitcoin Magazine. And Namcios, Terra Wolf orders 30, 30, 30,000 Bitmain rigs. Eyeing top 10 hash rate spot. Ooh, duty. The world's leading producer of Bitcoin mining hardware, Bitmain, announced today a signed purchase order for 30,000 units of its latest generation Antminer S19J Pro mining rigs from Bitcoin mining company TerraWolf. Quote, this agreement with Bitmain is the next step in TerraWolf's plan to rapidly and efficiently scale our operations which is based on a proven model for success. Paul Prager, the chairman and CEO of TerraWolf, said in the announcement, quote, with Bitmain's miners in place, we expect to substantially increase our total mining hash rate, furthering our efforts to generate environmentally sustainable Bitcoin. Oh my God. <laughs> At an industrial scale, end quote. After full delivery and deployment of the purchase machines by June 2022, which is planned to happen over monthly deliveries starting in January of 2022, TerraWolf expects to increase its total mining hash rate capacity by three exahashes per second. TerraWolf's expansion could bring the company close to being the 10th largest Bitcoin mining operation by hash rate capacity if actualized. Presently, the North American company would fall right behind SBI Crypto's 3.22 exahashes per second mining capacity and become the world's 11th largest Bitcoin miner per BTC.com data. This order of 30,000 amp miners follows the previous announcement by TerraWolf in which it shares its plans to become a publicly traded company in the United States. The Bitcoin miner expects to list on the NASDAQ exchange through a merger agreement with Iconics Corporation, an image, oh my God, an imaging technology company from Minnesota. That's right, that's right. Get a little bit more of that Kodak shit. <clears throat> if you don't know about the Kodak miners, you might want to look into a little bit of uh, history. Uh, that shit happened like a year or a year and a half ago. I can't remember. Anyway, no, actually it was more like two years ago. Anyway, Kodak miners are not a thing anymore. <clears throat> Additionally, TerraWolf also shared that it plans to generate environmentally sustainable BTC at an industrial scale in the United States using over 90% zero carbon energy from nuclear and hydropower sources. Du Shisheng, Bitmain Mining Division Vice President, commented on TerraWolf's vision and their recent order, quote, partnering with TerraWolf represents a big step forward in the transition to a more resilient, stable, and sustainable mining platform. 
Xixing said in the announcement. Quote, we are, we are excited to provide our most advanced Bitcoin miners as they build the largest, most environmentally friendly Bitcoin mining facility in North America. Yes, <clears throat> the ESG narrative is not going to stop. It has now infiltrated everything. Be aware. It's okay to hate it because it's stupid, but it's here and it's going to stay. And ugh. Yeah, I know. I know, dude. I know. Let, let's get on with it. BlockFi rate is cut on Bitcoin deposits, leaving rivals scratching their heads. Oh, my God. What? What? BlockFi cutting rates again? Oh no, let's find out more. Mu Yao Shin is writing this one for Coindesk. <clears throat> crypto lending platform BlockFi is cutting interest rates on a number of crypto asset deposits just about three months after the company lowered rates in March. BlockFi says its decision was made on the changing market dynamics and borrowing demand from institutional investors. But unlike the last time, other leading top crypto lenders, lending desks such as Genesis and Canada-based Ledin are not following BlockFi's lead move, at least for Bitcoin deposits. Some of the executives at the firms are seeing increased borrowing demand compared to the previous quarter, so they need to attract the deposits to lend them out. BlockFi announced June 25th the lower interest rates on deposits of crypto, including Bitcoin and other shitcoins, and a few others will go into effect on July the 4th. The annual percentage yield for Bitcoin deposits larger than 20 BTC, for example, will go down to 0.25%, which is down from one half of 1%. Oh my God. BlockFi in the announcement said the decision was made due to shifting market conditions. Could it be that your, that your business model is jacked? I don't know, just saying. Quote, rates on cryptocurrencies held in BIA or BlockFi interest accounts are primarily driven by demand by institutional investors for borrowing these assets. Rishi Rahman, the director of the business development at BlockFi in Asia, told Coindesk in an email response. Quote, when institutional investors demand changes, that affects the rates we can offer our BIA clients. End quote. He said, <clears throat> borrowing demand from BlockFi's clients continues to be stronger than ever, but that the tenure of the loans has gone down along with the rates. BlockFi's decision led to a string of snarky comments on Twitter, i.e. Aaron Schott, who says, I love the monthly BlockFi email about changing rates due to current market conditions, which always seem to be decreasing no matter the market conditions. We'll be transferring all my funds to Celsius Network as soon as possible. Higher rates, faster withdrawals, <clears throat> lower fees. Mm, in tweet. More significantly, other major lending desks told Coindesk that they are not planning to lower their rates in the near future. Quote, Genesis is not lowering Bitcoin rates on July the 1st. Despite BlockFi's rate reduction, Matthew, what, Ballenswig, head of institutional lending at Genesis, wrote in an email to Coindesk, Genesis can still pay 2% and more with no maximum quantity as it still sees a robust institutional Bitcoin lending market. Genesis is owned by Digital Currency Group, which also owns Coindesk. There's their little cover your ass statement. The Canadian crypto lender Ledin will also keep interest rates for Bitcoin deposits unchanged. According to an executive at Ledin, Ledin's API or APY for Bitcoin accounts 
with at least two BTC is 2.25%. Leaden is cutting deposit rates on the stable coin at USDC to 9.5 from 12% starting on July the 1st. Hong Kong-based crypto lender Babel told Coindesk via a spokesperson that it is not lowering interest rates for Bitcoin deposits. Babel cut rates for Tether deposits in May. All three companies told Coindesk they are seeing increased Bitcoin borrowing demand from clients. Some traders are betting the premium between spot cryptocurrency prices and futures, which has flattened recently, could widen again. So they're borrowing Bitcoin to short the spot market against a long position in the futures market. That's a contrast with the cash and carry arbitrage strategy that some traders pursue when futures draw a significant premium to the spot price. In that case, they buy Bitcoin and short the futures to bet on a convergence of the two prices when the futures contracts matures. Quote, given the compression, in the near dated futures, the spot basis spread, there are actually more opportunities to deploy Bitcoin than last month, Bonsweek said. <clears throat> in Genesis's first, Genesis, I can't ever do that. In G the company Genesis, their first, first quarter report in 2021, the company cited the wide spreads between Bitcoin futures and spot markets as one reason for lackluster borrowing demand in the quarter. The company dropped its interest rates in March along with BlockFi. Quote, borrowing BTC to short spot and long futures to bet on a widening curve doesn't make sense when the basis is trading wide, the report read. According to the data source, Skew, Bitcoin's July expiry futures listed on major exchanges such as Binance, Wobi, OKX, Deribit, and Kraken are currently drawing an annualized basis of 20% or sorry, negative 20% to positive 3%. Mauricio Di Bartolomeo, co-founder of Ledin, said that a lowered interest rate for USDC helps to reduce the cost of Bitcoin-backed loans. Dan Burke, managing director of institutional sales in Asia Pacific at BitGo, said decentralized finance offers another source of borrowing demand for Bitcoin from institutional clients who are looking to convert Bitcoin to wrapped Bitcoin. These synthetic versions of Bitcoin are configured to run on the shitcoin blockchain known as Ethereum, where they can be deployed in DeFi trading and lending protocols for extra returns or yields. Quote, from our institutional client base, we are seeing quite the opposite from BlockFi, said Gary Pike, director of sales and trading at B2C2, this may be because we only deal with institutions, whereas BlockFi deals with retail as well. In quote, BlockFi CEO Zach Prince recently said the average balance held in an account on the platform rose fivefold in the past year, with the average balance of a retail client having jumped from $10,000 to $50,000 US. Quote, BlockFi largely borrows from retail and lends to institutional, BitGo's Burke said. Some of the other lending platforms are also trading the asset themselves. It's up to the user to decide what is riskier. Another possible factor behind BlockFi's decision is the so-called grayscale Bitcoin trust arbitrage trade, several market participants said. The arbitrage trade refers to a strategy used by investors to borrow Bitcoin and deliver those to the trust in exchange for GBTC shares relevant when the grayscale trust shares used to trade at used to trade at a premium 
uh, to the net asset value or NAV of the fund, which is more closely tied to the value of its assets or the underlying Bitcoin. After a six month lockup, the shares could be sold in the secondary market to retail investors at a premium. After paying back the lender for the borrowed BTC, the investors would take the rest of the profit. At Coindesk, as, sorry, as Coindesk reported, BlockFi was one of the biggest GBTC shareholders as of Friday when the company revealed that it held $1.7 billion in shares of GBTC, which is about 5.66% of the total outstanding. Max Boonin, director and founder of B2C2, said in a recent interview with New Money Review that some firms have taken advantage of the GBTC arbitrage trade in order to offer attractive interest rates on crypto deposits. Quote, they could borrow Bitcoin from their clients with or without collateral and then put the Bitcoin into GBTC, hold the GBTC shares for the six-month lockup, then sell them on the secondary market with a premium attached, Boonin said. At press time, GBTC shares are trading at a discount to the NAV, so the grayscale carry trade has lost all of its charm. The arbitrage trade used to be a cash cow when GBTC was trading at a large premium, said Jeff Dorman, chief investment officer at Los Angeles-based ARCA. BlockFi did not immediately respond to Coindesk's request for comment about GBTC trading. On its terms of service page, BlockFi tells depositors that, except where prohibited, or limited by applicable law. In consideration for the cryptocurrency earned on your account, you grant BlockFi the right, without further notice to you, to hold the cryptocurrency held in your account, in BlockFi's name or in another name, and to pledge, repledge, hypothecate, rehypothecate, sell, lend, or otherwise transfer, invest, or use any amount of such cryptocurrency, separately or together with other property, with all attendant rights of ownership, and for any period of time and without retaining in BlockFi's possession and or control a like amount of cryptocurrency and to use or invest such cryptocurrency at its own risk. End quote, BlockFi, terms of service. Holy shit, why would you have ever done that? Oh my God. BlockFi raised $350 million in a Series D funding round in March and there have been rumors it is raising another round of funds worth several hundred million dollars at a valuation of five billion dollars. Dorman speculated the additional funds might serve until revenue opportunities return. BlockFi declined to comment, of course, but Andrew Tam, chief marketing officer at BlockFi, told Coindesk his company is, quote, on track, end quote, to exceed its 500 million dollar revenue goal for 2021. BlockFi's business is healthier than ever, pal, said Tam. The company has faced challenges as it grows. Most recently, it incorrectly deposited to users' accounts as part of a botched round of promotional payments. Instead of rewarding users with the stablecoin Gemini dollar as planned, it sent BTC, sometimes millions of dollars worth, to certain users. In March, the platform was attacked with fake signups and abusive, la <laughs> abusive language on its webpage. Oh my God. Dude, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm just like, I've never been a customer of BlockFi. And now I, I honestly just don't see it. Just, I mean, if you're gonna do this shit, 
you know, use somebody like Unchained Capital or Leaden or something else, man. But BlockFi, at this point, they're just, God, oh, it's terrible. It's just honestly terrible. Okay, let's, let's continue on here. Blockware mining raises $25 million, seeks to triple its hash rate. North American Bitcoin mining company Blockware Mining today announced that it has raised over $25 million in a second oversubscribed funding round, bringing the company's total capital raised to more than $32 million. By the way, this is uh, Bitcoin Magazine and Nomsios. Uh, <clears throat> according to the announcement, Blockware plans to use the funding proceeds to increase both the scale and scope of its mining operations in its currently installed North American farms and beyond. The company's previous rounds have allowed the purchase of 14,000 mining rigs in the second quarter of 2021, from which Blockware will employ 8,000 rigs to scale new flagship operations in Kentucky, where it recently purchased five acres. Uh, <clears throat> with the newest round, the company seeks to increase its current 0.3 exahashes per second mining capacity to over one exahash per second in mid-2020. 2022. Yeah. We successfully negotiated the acquisition of a robust supply chain of mining rigs, a complex process made even more challenging by the pandemic, said Michael Stoltzner, president and CEO of Blockware Mining, in the announcement, continuing, quote, the scarcity of rigs creates a significant barrier to entry for companies looking to enter this business, and we have allocated significant resources to making more deals and funding our rapid growth. If Blockware succeeds in more than tripling its hash rate capacity over the next year, the move will bring the company into a prominent position in the global Bitcoin mining landscape. According to data from BTC.com, one exahash per second would, at present numbers, lead Blockware to become the world's 13th largest Bitcoin miner by hash rate capacity, right behind Huobi.pool, which represents 1.2% of the total Bitcoin network hash rate with 1.0 exahashes per second. Additionally, Blockware shared that it has been working on the ground in Paducah, Kentucky, and is planning a new 30 megawatt facility there, possibly expandable to 100 megawatts in the future. One of the company's main goals, Stoltzner said, is to further develop the Bitcoin mining industry in the United States. Quote, currently, only an estimated 10% of the hash rate worldwide is generated in the United States, added Stoltzner in the announcement. By providing low hosting rates, Blockware Mining will create better worldwide distribution of the Bitcoin network while making the hash rate in the United States more globally competitive, end quote. Headquartered in Chicago, Illinois, the windy city and really great pizza, Blockware Mining considers itself a diversified mining infrastructure and co-location service provider. The company seeks to offer hardware and hosting packages to miners who wish to get up and running quickly. My advice to all North American and especially United States Bitcoin miners is this. Do not just look at the United States. Diversify your, your, your regulatory arbitrage options now. Do not wait until Brad Sherman and the rest of his bullshit people start hounding your ass. Already have a place to ship your miners to when the ESG narrative comes straight up your ass like a great big red dildo, okay? Just stop it. Start diversifying where you are. 
It's okay to be a United States minor, but you better have several locations in different jurisdictions outside of the United States and outside of United States control. You might even want to consider one that is outside of the United States extradition control in just in case, because you never know what Brad Sherman's going to do next. But Binance deploys Cypher Trace tool for travel rule compliance. By the way, if you don't know who the hell Brad Sherman is, he is a Bitcoin hater that has quite a bit of power and is in the United States Congress, just saying. So he was bitching about it yesterday again. So just, just be aware. Just please be aware. Binance deploys Cypher Trace tool for travel rule compliance. Let's get into it. Coindesk's Jamie Crawley has it. Binance said it is using crypto intelligence firm CypherTrace Traveler to aid compliance with global, quote, travel rule regulations. It will help Binance detect bad actors on the exchange platform, an announcement on Thursday said. CypherTrace released the tool in March to help tackle hacks and fraud by scanning addresses associated with incoming crypto transactions. The Financial Crimes Enforcement Network and Financial Action Task Force's travel rule regulations require virtual asset service providers to exchange identifying information when conducting transactions. Binance's relationship with CypherTrace is well-established, and in May, it tapped the company's transaction tracking software to tackle hacks and exploits of DeFi applications on Binance's smart chain. This announcement comes as Binance faces a cluster of regulatory changes from financial watchdogs in different markets, such as Japan, UK, and Canada. So Binance and uh, CZ is going to be watching whatever it is you do. You knew it was coming. Let's run the numbers. Holy smokes. And I mean that because flammable liquids are on fire, dude. CNBC Futures and Commodities has all the numbers that are fit to share, bro. Oil, specifically West Texas Intermediate is up, dude, 3.36%. $75.94. Let's just call it 76 bucks for West Texas Intermediate. Brent North Sea, $76.62 per barrel. It's up 2.68%. Natural gas, 2.5%. $3.73 for 1,000 cubic feet. Gasoline futures are up 2.5% as well to $2.29. Holy crap. All of shiny metal rocks are up. Gold Still not going to break out of 1700s though. Is up a half point, 1070 wait, 1781 dollars. Silver, however, is up over a full point at 26 dollars and well 26 and a half bucks. Platinum up a point and a quarter. Copper up a half a point. Palladium is up almost and a little bit over 0.4 percent. All of your Agriculture futures are up, and some of them by a lot. Let's go through this shit right here, man. Wheat up a point. Soybeans up a point and a half. Corn recovered all of its mess last night. 
coming up 3.3%. Sugar is up also 3%. Cor- uh, coffee is up one and a half, cotton up 2%. And then the rest is up basically just kind of moving sideways. But holy smokes, man, it looks like people are running to the exit exits or something like that. I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, let's see here. Uh, index futures, Dow futures are up 0.16, though there's nothing there. S&P futures are up like point, like a tenth of a percent. NASDAQ futures are actually down a tenth of a percent. And the S&P mini is up uh, 0.41%. But screw all that shit. Let's talk about real money, which is down yet again today. $33,702 is what we're getting for one single Bitcoin. And uh, let's see, transactions, 193000 700 were made in the last 24 hours. That's about 8,000 transactions made per hour. 539,000 BTC were sent in the last 24 hours. That's about 22,000 or 22 and a half. Yeah, 22,500 BTC on average every hour. The average transaction value is 2.79 BTC. The median transaction value is 0.028 BTC, which is just under one thousand dollars holy shit block times are at 17 minutes and 34 seconds oh my god Woo! 0.73 btc being taken in fees on a per block basis 60 btc taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours and with a 2.8 percent rise in hash rate we are still at 91.17 exahashes per second your shitcoin indicator is still hanging out at damn near one U.S. quarter or 25 cents. Clark Moody is showing 60,000 transactions waiting on 65 blocks to clear. We are, have $631.3 billion in market capitalization. That is 5.5% of gold's total market cap. And for your one Bitcoin you can purchase 18.9 ounces of shiny metal rock. There are, in fact, 18,745,554.00 BTC in circulation at this time. And 1,645.12 of those are in the Lightning Network at a capacity value of $55.5 million with 12,000 104 nodes that we know about in the Lightning Network representing 51,229 channels that we know about. Percentage of Tor capacity is at 64.9%. So <clears throat> that's quite a bit of, of, the, of Lightning Network in the Tor side. That is 1,067.7 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network being run over 6,000 683 nodes that we know about. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We're going to start this one with a tax. That's right, a tax. Yeah. New wave of regulations target exchanges and derivative products worldwide. Joshua Creighton is is, uh, writing this one for btctimes.com. Last weekend saw a wave of new restrictions come crashing down on cryptocurrency exchanges throughout the world. The primary uh, crackdown targets 
were leveraged at trading and other quote risky derivative products although major exchanges were also barred from operating in certain jurisdictions altogether who binance huobi two of the largest exchanges in the world bore the brunt of the new restrictions impacting users in china canada japan and the uk while some regulations or some view regulations on excessive leverage and derivatives as a net positive others express concern that the weekend's events are just a taste of future government efforts to disrupt the Bitcoin network's growth. Exchanges are still a centralized on-ramp for most Bitcoin users, which make them vulnerable choke points that restrict overall adoption due to regulatory hurdles. Here's a summary of the new restrictions by country in chrono chronological order of announcements. Ama amazingly, we're just gonna start with Canada. Not China, but whatever. On Friday, June the 25th, Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, updated its terms of use to include Ontario, Canada as a restricted jurisdiction. Japan. Last Friday, Japan's financial services agency also issued a warning to Binance stating that the company is not licensed to do business in Japan. United Kingdom. On Saturday, June 26th, uh, the United Kingdom's Financial Conduct Authority issued a consumer warning announcing that Binance is not permitted to undertake any regulatory activity in the UK. Holy shit. China. Huobi, China's largest exchange, updated its user agreement on Saturday, June the 26th, adding China and several other countries to its list of prohibited jurisdictions for derivative trading. The updated user agreement lists an additional nine countries in addition to China, in which derivatives trading is also prohibited on the platform. Quote, anyone from mainland China, Taiwan, Israel, Iraq, Bangladesh, Bolivar, Ecuador, Kyrgyzstan, Sevastopol, and the UK are, are prohibited from using the derivatives trading services provided by Huobi's website, end quote. According to Sally Wang from Sino Global Capital, Chinese users are still able to use the exchange for spot trading. China has been a hot topic in Bitcoin circles lately, do you think? <laughs> After major crackdowns on Bitcoin mining operations within its border, the People's Bank of China, China's central bank, also ordered four state-owned bank banks and major payment provider Alipay to cut off any Bitcoin-linked transactions last week. A recent editorial in Chinese business newspaper Kexin or Kaixin, I don't know, man, uh, highlighted the hawkish statement or sentiment within the country stating that now is the time to declare all-out war on cryptocurrencies. BTC China, the country's oldest exchange, completely exited from Bitcoin and all cryptocurrencies-related businesses last Thursday in anticipation of further crackdowns by Beijing. That doesn't even make sense, but whatever. According to Chain Analysis, East Asia accounts for over 30% of all cryptocurrency transactions worldwide, with mainland China believed to originate the uh, majority of those transactions. Oh, good Lord. That's a bad sentence. Originate. Oh, good Lord. Good Lord. East Asia account, according to Chain Analysis, East Asia accounts for 30% of all cryptocurrency transactions worldwide with mainland China believed to originate the majority of those transactions. Okay, now it makes sense, sorry. <clears throat> While exchange-related restrictions have little influence over the Bitcoin network, they do present regulatory 
hurdles that could make Bitcoin more difficult to access. If governing agencies throughout the world were to coordinate to try to block Bitcoin adoption, exchanges would provide the perfect centralized choke points to do so. Let's just stop right there. Don't trade Bitcoin. Just find an on-ramp to use your bullshit fiat currency to buy Bitcoin and then hold Bitcoin. Because that last sentence is absolutely 150% correct. I'm sorry, it's like over the top, perfectly, a perfect statement for Bitcoiners. Stop jacking around with exchanges. Don't do it. They are perfect targets for government and their corrupted piles of garbage like I don't know, Sherman, like rep, rep, was it Senator Sherman? Whatever that dude, that whatever, that guy, I mean, he is, these guys, these things are the perfect targets to shut down. And if you're dependent upon them, you're getting shut down. Stop it. Stop trading. It's okay to just hold the underlying asset. This whole gambling casino is is got a huge target on it. If you want to not be that target, then don't be in an exchange. I'm just saying, man. However, recent crackdowns seem to revolve around leveraged trading and derivatives in particular. So in most cases, they do not affect a user's ability to buy, hold, and use Bitcoin. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, dude. Over leveraged trades were likely a major factor in Bitcoin's price crash in May, which means the crackdown could help prevent future volatility. Some even argued that regulation legitimizes cryptocurrency and shows maturity within the industry. Oh, that's what I need is a, is a, is a mature child. No, I want a small child. Whatever, regardless of what happens in the future, Bitcoin's growth has clearly drawn the attention of government regulators for better or worse. Dude, it's for worse. And by the way, that price crash in May, that wasn't over leveraged trades. That's always part of a price crash. What precipitated that shit was narrative. And the weak-minded bastards that are in this space that just take a shit every single time some billionaire says something. And then the Pope says something. And then Neil Kashkari comes along. And all these people start opining in on this bullshit. And the next thing you know, you're so freaked out that you're like, oh my God, I got to shit the bed. And then you sell. And then the leveraged trades start falling like dominoes. Strong hands, people. Strong hands, just like Adam Meister always says. Now, Bitcoin Magazine Paul Opoku is writing this one. Will an African country be the next to adopt Bitcoin? I don't know. Let's find out. <clears throat> After June the 8th, we can say that the world entered the nation-state game theory phase of Bitcoin adoption. Latin American neighbors to El Salvador, such as Panama, have started mulling over the prospects of passing similar legislation, such as El Salvador did, as they don't want their nations to be left behind. Latin American countries are not the only nations feeling pressure to move toward or forward with Bitcoin-friendly legislation. 
Calacasa wrote a fantastic piece about Ethiopia, Ethiopia and Bitcoin. In addition, American football player of Nigerian descent Russell Okung wrote a compelling open letter to the president of Nigeria, imploring him to embrace a Bitcoin standard. Now, I by no means have the same level of clout as Mr. Okung, but I am of Ghanan descent as my family immigrated to the United States in hope of a better life, and I'd like to make the case for an African nation to embrace Bitcoin by the end of the year. According to data from usefultulips.com.org, sorry, not .com, usefultulips.org, Sub-Saharan Africa leads the world in peer-to-peer Bitcoin transactions in 2021. Sub-Saharan Africa also has a history that one might think would lead to favorable conditions for a non-global power-aligned monetary option, Due to the lasting legacy of imperialism and colonialism in Africa, the French-backed and controlled CFA Franc, or CIFA, created in 1945 as a colonial relic in 15 African countries. One CFA Franc was equivalent to 1.7 francs in 1945. Over half a century later, the CFA Franc was equal to, well, 0.01 francs in 2002. God dang, as France ditched the franc for the euro. How did this happen? Devaluation of the CIFA franc by the French government. The CIFA franc lost 17,000% of its value in the span of 52 years. Bitcoin, created in 2009, fixes this. <laughs> there are approximately 40 different currencies within the continent of Africa alone, and this is a headache considering the geography of the continent. Boarding, uh, sorry, boarding a flight from Accra to Lagos is about the same distance as from New York to Philadelphia, yet the barriers and hurdles you'll face before, during, and after traveling, such as with visas and foreign exchange, are frustrating. This has presented challenges in cross-border payments, business, and economic development, currency instability, devaluation, and inflation for many decades. Bitcoin means different things to different people. I say this to explain that when trying to explain the store of value component of Bitcoin to Americans and Europeans, it usually falls on deaf ears due to the quality of life that most have been accustomed to. You haven't grown up in an emerging market. You haven't lived under authoritarian regimes who can restrict how and what you do with your money. You haven't experienced inflation wiping out your entire savings, killing your currency. Like the old saying goes, I don't understand how this is useful to me, therefore it's useless. End quote. The list of nations racing to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender is growing, and it is only a matter of time before another country becomes the second to do so after El Salvador. I hope it will be an African country, although it is more likely that a Latin American country does, given their proximity to El Salvador. It is in the best interest, not only for Bitcoin entrepreneurs, business types, and governments, but for the ordinary people of the continent. Bitcoin's unique properties make it a digital store of value, a savings technology, a quasi-bank account for the unbanked, a bank account in cyberspace, and an alternative to Western Union for remittance payments is to friends, and family around the world, Sub-Saharan Africa remains the most expensive region to send money to, where sending $200 costs an average of 8.2% as of the fourth quarter of 2020. Holy smokes, man. The rise of China has meant an increase in the, their economic influence and ambition on the continent. 
look at what institutions such as the IMF in China have done and are doing to African countries. They load African countries with debt and make sure they can't spend money on things like health, education, and overall development. With Bitcoin, Africa will be able to wield control of its own development with permissionless decentralized money and without the foreign intervention and manipulation of said money. Bitcoin is 1,000 times better than the IMF, World Bank, China, and the Bank of International Settlements because it is a digital bearer asset. The implications of such a move will be massive, with China currently clamping down on Bitcoin miners. Imagine those miners migrating west to the motherland, setting up mining hubs in rural and remote places in Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, Botswana. That could transform whole economies and change hundreds of millions of lives. Bitcoin could break a decade, even centuries long woes of underdevelopment. This is true. Now, speaking of Latin America, as the last article just kind of, you know, pointed to, Latin America's Mercado Bitcoin exchange raises, raises $200 million from SoftBank. Sam Borgi is writing this one for Cointelegraph. Let's see if he takes a giant dump all over Bitcoin and starts spouting about NFTs. Latin American cryptocurrency exchange Mercado Bitcoin has secured $200 million in a Series B financing from SoftBank, marking one of the largest funding rounds in the region's history. Mercado Bitcoin will use the funds to expand its offerings and invest in new infrastructure to meet the growing demand for digital assets in the region, the Sao Paulo, Brazil-based exchange announced on Thursday. 2TM Group, the parent company behind Mercado Bitcoin, is now estimated to be worth $2.1 billion with a B, making it the eighth largest unicorn on the continent. Guys, Latin America is gonna blow up. If you are not positioned to figure that shit out and take advantage of it, you're going to lose. HODL Latin America like you HODL Bitcoin, bitches. I'm just saying, bro. In the venture capital industry, the term unicorn describes privately held startups with a value of at least $1 billion. That's with a B. Mercado Bitcoin may just be the second Latin American, Latin American crypto exchange to join the elite unicorn category. As Cointelegraph reported, Mexican exchange Bitso was valued at $2.2 billion in May after concluding its $250 million Series C fundraiser. Like other cryptocurrency exchanges, Mercado Bitcoin has registered tremendous growth this year's roughly 700,000 users have signed up to the platform in 2021 alone, bringing its total user base to 2.8 million people. That represents more than 70% of the participants on the Brazilian stock exchange. Holy shit, guys. Hoddle Latin America like you hodl your Bitcoin. Be prepared. By comparison, in 2017, the firm had just 900,000 users, according to Robert Dagnani, executive chairman and CEO of two, or I'm sorry, 2TM. Trading activity also surged during the height of the bull market with Bitcoin volumes hitting $5 billion between January and May, surpassing the exchange's total for the first seven years combined. Compared with year-ago levels, trade volumes were up 11 times, Dagnani said. Marcelo Clare, 
CEO of SoftBank Group International described Mercado Bitcoin as a global leader in the cryptocurrency space, adding that the digital assets have incredible potential in Latin America, end quote. Countries like Argentina, Venezuela, and Mexico have seen a resounding increase in crypto adoption due to local economic and financial pressures. Several Latin American countries are rumored to be exploring the possibility of accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. However, until now, only El Salvador has. Dagnani told Cointelegraph that Brazil has played an exceptionally important role in boosting crypto adoption. Quote, Brazilians have proved to be early technology adopters on many fronts. Looking at Waze and Uber as examples, he said, adding, quote, cryptocurrencies were no exception to that trend in Brazil. And generally speaking, in Latin America, millions of people are realizing the digital assets and cryptocurrencies are both innovative, emerging technologies, and are efficient in storing value. And quote, dude, only Bitcoin matters, punk. The CEO also said that more Brazilians are turning to crypto and other alternatives due to artificially low interest rates, quote. We've seen some of the lowest interest rates on record in Brazil, which fueled the development of the alternative assets industry. Crypto is benefiting from this trend, which can be seen in other asset classes, such as VCs and private equity. And unless you're dealing with Bitcoin, you're just going to get wiped the fuck out. So be very, very careful. Only Bitcoin matters. Probably not to George Soros, though, although he is reportedly trading Bitcoin. As Sam Borgi says in Cointelegraph's article, George Soros Investment Fund is reportedly trading Bitcoin. Soros Fund Management, the private investment firm of billionaire George Soros, is reportedly trading Bitcoin as part of a broader exploration of digital assets, according to financial news website The Street. People familiar with Matter told author Michael Bodley that Don Fitzpatrick, the CIO, Chief Investment Officer of Soros Fund Management, gave the green light to trade Bitcoin and shitcoins, possibly, in the last few weeks. Speaking on condition of anonymity, the source told Fitzpatrick and her team have that, wait a minute, the sources said that Fitzpatrick and her team have been exploring shitcoins and Bitcoin for some time, and that the latest venture is more than just kicking the tires on digital assets. The spokesperson for Soros Fund Management was contacted by the street, but of course, declined to comment. Fitzpatrick is also reportedly in conversations about acquiring a private stake in leading Bitcoin-based enterprises, though the names of these companies weren't provided. As Cointelegraph reported, Soros's fund management was one of several firms behind the $200 million funding of New York Digital Investment Group, group better known as NYDIG. Mass Mutual, Morgan Stanley, and Stone Ridge Holdings Group also participated. At the time, NYDIG co-founder and CEO Robert Gutman said that the investment round was evidence that institutional adoption of Bitcoin was on the rise. The Streets report has also, or rather, already circulated on Twitter with several prominent industry voices joining the discussion, such as Anthony Pompliano. It's not entirely clear how Soros's fund management or intends to trade Bitcoin, if at all. An investment stake in the digital assets shouldn't necessarily be viewed as bullish, given that Soros earned his reputation for shorting the British pound in 1992 and effectively breaking the Bank of England. Nevertheless, Fitzpatrick has spoken favorably about Bitcoin in recent months, 
In March, she said cryptocurrencies like BTC are at an inflection point that could catalyze greater adoption in the future. Quote, we've been making some investment into that infrastructure and we think that that is at an inflection point, she told Bloomberg in March. Woo, holy shit, guys. Uh, I'm going to have to go ahead and cut this short, pal. I got some other stuff to do. So that's going to be the end of the morning roundup. However, before we leave today, I am certainly not going to uh, short you for your joke. However, this is not going to be from Dad Says Jokes. No, this is going to be from Brady over at Citizen Bitcoin, who says, Did you know my mom has a podcast? Yeah, you have to have the password to my voicemail. Uh, I guess that's, I, I, I finally figured that joke out as to moms just basically leaving like long ass voicemails on, on, you know, on the phone, uh, on the voicemail. So thank you, Brady. I appreciate that. I'm sorry. I didn't get it on the show yesterday. Um, uh, life is being weird right now. It's being weird in a really good way. Um, maybe one of these days I'll talk about it. Maybe not, but things are better for me today than they were the day before yesterday. Let's just say that, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.